Pessoal, and welcome to the PHLY Eagles podcast live from Radio Row here at the Super Bowl, presented by Factor Meal Kits. Head to factormeals.com slash eagles50 and use code eagles50 to get 50% off. Bo Wolf, Zach Berman in the thick of things. Zach, how are you doing? Doing great. <clears throat> Excuse me, doing great. Thrilled to be here. Excited for the show. Uh, it's, it was a fun first day, and each day is going to get better. It was good mm. catching up with different people at... Uh, you call uh, media night. It's they officially call it opening night. Okay, you're not yeah. an opening night guy. You're more. I'm just not a don't. I, I'm not going to listen to what you want me to call it <laughs> and just call it that without you know. Okay, so so you uh, want to call? So, I'm not a sheep, Zach. You're definitely not a sheep. We know that. Um, it was. It, it I'm a wolf. Was, <laughs> you are a wolf. It was good speaking with uh, with different coaches and players and executives there, and with a fun show ahead. Fun show ahead. We're going to get to some scenes from media night, opening night, the, uh, the the Chiefs and Niners, some Eagles connections, some silliness. We've got lots of that to give you throughout the week. We'll give you a few of those today, including Javon Hargrave, the former Eagle. We're going to hear from Connor Orr from Sports Illustrated, who's going to join us, and maybe some other special surprises along the way. But, Zach, what were your, what were your big takeaways from last night? My big takeaways were, well, first off, it was my first time speaking to Javon since since uh, uh, since he left. So good catching up with him. Um, of course, the two of you are thick as thieves. Uh, we spoke we spoke about thick the Southbury Bojangles. Yeah, we spoke about. Uh, but have the, you ever you've never had Bojangles? Well, I've had plenty oh, of okay. Bojangles. I spent two years covering the ACC. Okay, that's okay. the official you've meal. You've never had cookout. Is that is this the? Uh, I've never had cookout. No. Okay. Never had cookout. I've had a lot of Bojangles. Bojangles is great. Bojangles a, fries. Very underrated. I would say like top four fries in the game so, uh, of fast food at least. Okay. Well, and what are the first three? I, you know, Bojangles might be my favorite fries if you get them fresh. Okay. Uh, there's a great there's a great seasoning on those bad boys. You know, like McDonald's fries if you get them right out right out hmm. uh, the kitchen. That's that's good. But I'm trying to think of what other fries are good. How about you? Chick Fil A waffle fries are good. Yeah, but that's there. I think there's a, a wider variance on the Chick Fil A waffle okay. fries. Sometimes you get those wet noodly ones. True. You don't like the wet noodly ones. No. But no, I I was uh, I used to drive from Charlottesville to all the ACC outputs in North Carolina. Sure. And there was like midway was Lynchburg, and there was a uh, a Bojangles in Lynchburg that I used to stop at. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, What's Javon's Bojangles order? Good question. I don't have the specific order, but if they win the Super Bowl, he's going to have breaking news here. Ooh, he's going to have. Hold on, hold on. Let's tweet this out. Let's go <laughs> Schefter style. He's going to have fried chicken and I think mac and cheese. I have the exact uh, meal that he's going to reward himself okay. with if they win the Super Bowl. That, that and if he might... loses, he's going to have double to, as, yeah. the, as emotional eating. No, because if you recall, in high school, he went 0-11 one year, and he passed by Bojangles on the way home and did not have it uh, to, to penalize himself for losing. He's been doing a lot of winning recently, but he hasn't had as many cheat meals after games, and he's going to have a cheat meal if they win this one. Do you think the Eagles regret letting Javon Hargrave go? I don't think that they regret letting Javon Hargrave go. I do think they, they missed him to a certain extent, a really productive player. Um, the fact that they were able to draft Jalen Carter, I think, eased to that. But I do think that they could have redistributed some of the money that they spent last offseason. And like I think they probably would have rather had Javon Hargrave this past year than James, James Bradbury. Bradbury. Yeah, yeah. So. Now, uh, you will write about this on All City or on allphly.com coming up later this week. But 
quickly tell us, I know you asked them about clarifying those comments about like comparing the two different organizations, yeah. the two different cultures. Yeah, he spoke about that basically saying that it was taken out of context, like people just read the headline. He meant it in a good way. He, he was real happy last year with the way, and when I say last year, I mean the 2022 season, not the 2023 season, uh, with the way the Eagles managed their practices. If you weren't familiar with the comments, he was on a podcast with Eric Armstead, I believe, where he basically said, like, the Niners' practices are much harder, much more intense than the Eagles' practices. And he said the Niners are like the Heat and the Eagles are like the Warriors. And he said it worked out great. They were healthy. He felt good. They had a lot of success. He didn't mean it in a bad way. They, he just meant they were different styles. And he said, I even gave the comparison to the Heat and the Warriors. Like, those are two really good teams. I don't think the Eagles uh, would or should object to being compared to the Golden State Warriors. So, Well, of course, anything that Bob Myers has touched to you is gold. Well, Bob Myers is an awfully successful general manager. I think there's a lot of... Uh, franchises that would emulate what Bob Myers and Joe Lacob and the Golden State Warriors have done. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's get a little snippet of a conversation with Javon Hargrave from Super Bowl Media Night. This is not the Zach hard-hitting interview that you'll <laughs> get to read about on allphly.com. This is a little bit more silliness. Survey questions. If you could use a time machine for one day, what would you use it for? A time machine for one day? I think I'll go back and uh, go back to some of uh, my best memories. Like what? What's the first one that comes to mind? Getting drafted. Okay, <laughs> that's a good one. Getting drafted. Um, I don't know, just, you know, some family members, seeing some of the family members and friends okay. that passed away. Um, I think that's really, that's, that's okay. the big thing I want to do. Who was your first celebrity crush as a kid? Uh, Jennifer Lopez. Okay, good one. Most definitely. Uh, is it okay to pee sitting down? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, last one. Who would have won the fight between Dre Greenlaw and Big Dom? <laughs> That's tough. I ain't going to say that. I ain't answering that. I think you know the answer. <laughs> I ain't answering that. I'm going to get crucified either way if I answer that. So I ain't. Because if I, if whatever I say, I'm going to get it. So right. I, ain't, I ain't answering that. Thank you, Javon. Good luck. I no, appreciate it. A little, uh, little Radio Row magic here, joined now at the table by our All-City colleague, Todd Davis. Todd, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're doing very well. That ring is impressive, Todd. Thank you, man. I yeah. appreciate that. Well earned, too. <laughs> what right? is, yeah, I mean, what's like the, the care of the ring? How often do you, do you bring it out? What's, what, what, like, what's your whole ring routine? You know, I really don't wear it too much. Um, you know, I keep it in like a jewelry box. Okay. So it's, it's locked away. It's pretty secure. Um, and then just like special occasions or any like kind of like charity work. That's when I bring it and in. And if you want to flex a little bit. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good flex. I would say so. <laughs> uh, one thing we want to ask you about, the main thing we want to talk to you about, is you had a chance when you played for the Broncos, I think one year, right, yep. to play under Vic Fangio, who yep. is the Eagles' new defensive coordinator. <clears throat> what can, like, Eagles fans and Eagles players in that building expect with Fangio? Uh, you know, it's a unique experience. Um, you know, he's definitely a brilliant football mind, uh, definitely knows how to orchestrate a great defense. Um, not much of a talker. Okay. You know, not much of a talker. You definitely have to, like, lead conversations when you guys are talking. But uh, overall, I think he's a good guy. Um, not my favorite Broncos coach. Okay. But I think he um, was a great guy. Who was your favorite Broncos coach? Kubiak, for sure. Well, you got that ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't, can't go wrong. So, like, the book on Vic from a player's perspective is, like, kind of crotchety, uh -huh. like, <laughs> curmudgeon old guy. Is that is that 
does that track? I don't know who, you know, gave that description, <laughs> but, you know, it's probably somebody that was in a locker room. But maybe <laughs> maybe it's an accurate one. Now, no, it, uh, in, in Philly, a big knock on the roster composition is that they don't value linebackers. Uh -huh. And you being a linebacker who played for Vic Fangio, how important is that position in his scheme? It's very important. I think it's uh, maybe the most important. If you look at all the success he's had um, throughout his, you know, coordinating career, he's had great linebackers uh, from, you know, Navarro Bowman at San Francisco. Uh, Todd Davis. Uh, <laughs> he's always. Roquan Smith. Yeah, Roquan Smith. Todd always, Davis. <laughs> he always loves great, uh, hard-hitting, fast-flowing linebackers. So I think it's maybe the most important um, position, you know, in his defense. And so what are the responsibilities in his defense for a linebacker that are different than they might be in some other schemes? You know, there's a lot of checks um, that linebackers have to make versus different formation, versus different uh, you know, alignments, uh, I think you have to do a lot getting guys lined up and ready. And he's always bringing in, you know, new plays um, and different schemes. Like, he may come to you Saturday morning, you know, as a linebacker, like, hey, I'm, I'm probably going to put this in tomorrow. Okay. Like, we haven't worked okay. it. We haven't ran it, but you got to get guys ready. You're like, But it came right. to me at 4 a.m. last night. It came to me in a vision, and I right. just had to run it, yeah. Okay. Now, from, you know, we sort of hear about, like, some defensive coordinators are very static schemed, yeah. right? And this is what we do. And this scheme allows us to have answers for different things, whereas there are some who are a little bit more week-to-week -week game plan specific. You sort of change things around. Which end of that spectrum is, is Vic in your experience? I think he's game plan specific, and I think he game plans based off of, you know, who, who, who he has in that locker room. Um, he's not one of those guys that, like, you know, this is my scheme. I run it no matter who I have. I think he does a good job of mixing it up uh, based on the personnel that he has, you know, any any given team really and and the reason that's important too is because like that that scheme if you will has become vogue around the nfl yeah and then it's it's kind of at a point now where teams know how to play against it is is it adapting to the point that like what brandon staley runs or what carolina runs like that's that's not quite the same scheme that he has anymore that it, it keeps evolving yeah i think so and i think you see um he continues to have success you know from team to team like even though teams are adapting even though offenses are getting much more powerful and really you know mixing up run, pass, RPO, deep shots, inter intermediate passing game. I think he's able to adjust well. He's been a coach for so long. I think that's a testament to how well he adapts to different uh, offensive schemes. What about your understanding of the things that he's going to ask from the, the corners and the safeties and the secondary? He's going to ask them to play a lot of man. I think he's going to ask them to, you know, have some tough downs. Um, you know, sitting down and talking to him, he was just explaining how not every down is going to be a hard down for each player, but we just need you to win. We need you to win one or two of your tough downs for us to be a successful defense. Like if we're playing cover yeah, two, framing, yeah. yeah, if we're playing cover two, the you know the corners may have an easy down just covering the flat. But when it's man to man in the red zone and we gotta really we need that one. That's when we need the corners to step up. So every person's tough down, he likes to rotate it. That's so interesting. That, and then you just win one or two of your tough downs, and, you know, you'll be a pretty successful defense. Which from, like, just the standpoint of how do you make it through a whole game, that's kind of nice. You yep. know, that they're, like, there's not you're going to take the play off, but, like, if you got to, you know that you got to bring it on a few downs. That's interesting. Exactly. Has that helped you as a player? Yeah, I think it has because um, not necessarily you have to take the play off, but, you know, um, if I'm sitting in cover four, I know this is probably my easier down. Right. And playing man-to-man -man on Kelsey is probably my tougher down. Right. So I know I got to, you know, maybe preserve some energy in cover four. And then cover one, I got to give it everything I got. That's interesting. Now, yeah. random question that has nothing to do with the scheme itself. He's he's uh, on record saying he's a big Philadelphia 
Phillies fan mm -hmm. and watches every game. Did he ever uh, mention the Phillies in uh, defensive meetings with you guys? Uh, no, I can't okay. say he brought them up. So I'm not saying he is or isn't, <laughs> but I don't know if I've ever heard it before. Okay. Now, uh, any other like sort of personality quirks to, to keep an eye out for with, with Vic? No, he's a good guy. You know, I was it was really funny because uh, he from, he's from Scranton, right? Yep. And I'm a big Office fan. You Me know? too. Yeah. I love oh. the Office. So like I'm thinking he's from from Scranton. Of course he loves it. He watches it. And so I asked him about it. He's like, no, just not my humor. <laughs> it's not really fun to me. And I was I was shocked because this is one of the best shows ever made. Which of the Office characters would you compare him to the the closest? Uh, <laughs> uh, he's a little bit. A little bit of a creed. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Just a little bit. Okay, that's like good. That. Yeah. Anything else? No, that, no, that was great stuff. We appreciate Todd, it. Thank you so much. Perfect. Great insight. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. It's good to see you. Yeah, Enjoy that ring, man. Yes, sir. yes, sir. Unbelievable. I mean, well, what, a, what a knowledgeable colleague we have. What a, what, a, what a coup for us. And as we continue to roll on here from Radio Row, let me tell you about Bagels & Co. Because if you're back in Philly, you probably want a bagel, a Brooklyn-style bagel made in Philly. We're talking huge bagels, the biggest bagels in Philly. They've got a large variety, usually 15 to 20 different types to choose from daily. Seasonal bagels as well, and the largest cream cheese variety. You know all about it. They are an affordable brand. You get a lot of food for cheap, and in today's inflationary world, we think that's key. We've debated raising some of our prices, but they want you to know that they're an everyday brand, not some high-end place you go to to splurge on the weekends. This is a blue-collar bagel, people. So, for the best Brooklyn-style bagels made right there in Philly, head to www.thebagelsandco.com slash store-locator to find the closest Bagels & Co. near you. Now, a bit of a flex here. I was, I was proud of my steps yesterday, but steps are only one part of a healthy diet. The other part is your eating, you know. Mm, and, the third part is sleep. And, and, and where to go for your healthy meals? Well, Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Whatever tomorrow takes you, or I should say wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-created and chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie, smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal even more delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. There's two-minute meals which fuel up fast with restaurant-quality type food. You have snacks, you have smoothies. You can sign up and save. We've done the math. Factors less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian-approved and it's a, a, to be nutritious and delicious. It's the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily, and there's no prep. It's not a mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up needed. Head to factormeals.com slash eagles50 and use code eagles50 to get 50% off. That's code eagles50 at factorsmeal.com slash eagles50 to get 50% off. And again, we appreciate Factor Meals presenting, uh, the, the Factor Meal Kits, I should say, presenting the PHLY Eagles show here live from Super Bowl Radio Row. And one last thing to tell you about if you are here in Vegas you can come hang out with all of the all city people tomorrow night at the overhang bar at the Circa Resort our good friends at Circa from 6 to 8 p.m. two free drinks if you are SVP so come join us hang out I know Zach's gonna be uh, pounding those drinks <laughs> that will probably not be the case, but I'm going to enjoy spending time with all my All-City colleagues and everyone who wants to come between 6 and 8 here at Circa.
And speaking of people who know College Zach, I think it's a pleasure now to bring on Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated, a man who uh, you've seen, Zach, from a young age. And you've risen together to the, uh, to the heights of the industry. How are you, Connor? I'm good. How are you? We're doing well. Connor Orr from Sports Illustrated. And we, we didn't just go to college together. We worked together at the Star Ledger. Connor. What was, was the power dynamic? Well, no. Connor and I were in comparable positions. He was on the Jets. I was on the Giants. He was working with uh, Jenny Vrentas, who's now at the New York Times, formerly Sports Illustrated. I was working with Mike Garofolo, now at NFL Network. Um, but, but he and I were... I guess we can say like the number twos on the beat. It was it was more like a defined structure back then. Okay. Like some beats are, are one one a. This was like a, a one and a two structure, and so we were able to, to kind of experience it, commiserate. Uh, I shouldn't say commiserate. Compare notes. I was gonna say yeah. yeah. Who, had, who had a tougher? <laughs> no, compare notes, and then Connor since then has become one of the preeminent football voices in America. So uh, it's awesome to have him on. I was thinking about this when I was walking over, and so Zach is a little bit older than me. Okay. And when I picked up the student newspaper for the first time at Syracuse, I was really intimidated, right? Because you get there and everybody's already on their way to becoming like Bob Costas, mm. you know? Yes. So I flipped the student newspaper over to the sports section, and you see Zach's headshot, right, in oh, the baby. column. And this guy is already writing like, you know, Jim Murray. Like, he's, <laughs> he's super talented. And I see Berman, and I'm just like, what is this? Is this Chris Berman's? nephew or something uh, I was like I got no shot like this leather. is I'm, I'm never gonna be able to to, to get it get my foot in the door here um so it was very Zach was like the first I remember that I called my dad and uh he was like how is it and I was like they got like Chris Berman's nephew writing for the school newspaper <laughs> this guy's phenomenal I was like there's no shot that you know we, we got to figure something else out you know let's try finance but, <laughs> um, what was it a two-year difference one year I think so. two okay. years okay. yeah I appreciate that funny story I was once uh, this is gonna sound like a flex but it's not I was Everything, once, everything's a flex when you're, when you're as, uh, as talented as you No, yourself. I was once in, in Andy Reid's office, and he made a joke. Um, he said, I, I thought you might be, be related to Chris, and then I kind of saw you guys. <laughs> Chris Berman. Yeah, Chris is huge. Yeah, yeah Chris is a big guy. Yeah. I'm not particularly big, so it's pretty <laughs> I remember that day. I remember it vividly. He, it, was a, it was a funny joke. Uh, <laughs> that is a good joke. Yeah. And you got to spend some time with Andy last night. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really good. It's always good seeing Andy. Always goes good catching up with Andy. Connor, I was thinking about uh, a conversation we had at the Combine a couple years ago. And I think you were out in front of this yes. before anybody on the Eagles beat was. I was about to ask him. And that was after the first year of Nick Sirianni. It had not come out yet that Nick had given up play calling. And you were sort of very, you know, not you didn't want to boast about it. You're like, my understanding is that, you know, Shane Steichen has a lot to do with uh, the Eagles' success in the second half this year. Just want to give you credit for that. You were you were all over well, thank that. Thank you. Um, I feel like you are like very plugged in at the coach level. Yeah, I, I think everybody has their niche. Yeah. Um, I started doing the list a couple of years ago. Love the list. As a way to quantify, find some sort of way to quantify coaches outside of this guy knows this guy or this guy runs this scheme. And so. Which, unfortunately, is how so much of the hiring process exactly. happens. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, but. Through that, you know, it got to know a lot of people and very fortunate. But that was a very intimidating moment for me because Philadelphia <laughs> beat writers are terrifying. All of you guys, like if you parachute in 
I don't like to go because I'm scared of all mm. of you. Um, and then when I when I said <laughs> something, when I said something that you all disagreed with, I was like, <laughs> I was in a cold sweat yeah, because you, I was you like, were dead on. Am I, is my information right. wrong? <laughs> like, well, because you have to understand that first year, Shane on the podium was like so unimpressive. It, it was. It felt like. Uh, he had no idea what was going on, and meanwhile, behind the scenes, he's he's turning he's turning the keys. And the other part too is that Jeff Stoutland has a lot of juice in yes. Eagles Building. Mm -hmm. So so the I think the assumption among the beat writers and it was, and it was incorrect. And he was what, the run game coordinator. Yeah. yeah. Was that like when you when you gear more toward this like run based offense? This is Stoutland's influence, right? Not, and because Shane's background was, right. you know. He, How hard he, is it to just pr press the run button? Exactly, you know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, you were on, on top of that. And, by the way, you were on top of it with your list. Like, you identified Shane as a hot candidate before anyone else. He gets Not the, as hot as D'Amico, but. <laughs> he gets the Colts job. Um, you had Gannon on that list. He gets the Cardinals job. Uh, so you have, you've been on top of that all along. Rough, tough year this year. My two top candidates were uh, Ben Johnson and Ezra Evero, but okay. they both got interviews. I mean, so, Ben Johnson would have gotten, yeah, got yeah. gotten a job. Ben Johnson would have gotten a job. But the thing that was amazing about Shane was I, I talked to Philip Rivers and just about kind of what kind of coach he was at that time. You know, back when we were talking about it, and he said, you know, he's like, you know how I throw the ball funny, and he's like, well, Shane would when he was calling plays or he when he was designing stuff for me he would he would like drop back and kind of pretend to throw like me <laughs> so that he could understand that there's certain reads and there's certain things that I'm going to look at that are going to be uncomfortable uniquely for me and i think that i think that Shane understood with Jalen specifically that what Jalen's thing was was you know he needed to see the defense a certain way before the snap. Hmm. And if things looked right to him, then he could play with confidence. And so Shane is really good at making, lining all that stuff up for Jalen, right? And I think you saw what happens when you don't have that kind of that concierge service or whatever it is behind the scenes this year. So talking to as many coaches as you do, how do you feel about the setup that is now going to be in Philadelphia where it's a bit of a Frankenstein of people being brought in from different places. It, like Fangio's getting his guys on the defensive side of the ball, but Nick is now going to be a little bit more hands-off. They're bringing in Kellen Moore, who he has never worked with before. They're adding some other guys who have been maybe Peter Principled elsewhere and are coming down a level to their normal level. When you are bringing in these different parts who have no relationship with each other necessarily, how do you feel like that's, that's going to go? It can work out well and it cannot. It, I think it can work out well like it worked out the first year with Brian Dable where he said, I don't want to hire any of my friends. I want to hire good coaches. And then two years into it, him and Wink Martindale are screaming at each other and the door's slamming and he's walking Is out of the Is it possible building, right? he didn't want to hire any of his friends because he doesn't have any friends? <laughs> also possible. Um, and in Carolina, I, I gave Frank Reich a lot of credit for trying the same thing, but that was one of the most disastrous mm assemblages of coaches that I think we've had in recent memory. That was a disaster through and through. So you look at the situation in Philly. A couple years ago, I wrote uh, a coach's five-step guide to survival. Okay. And step three is coming out and telling people you're going to spend more time in various meetings and not mm. be focused on one side of the ball. So Nick's, Nick's yeah. getting pretty – step three. He, he yeah. went right he, to step three. He had to three. step a couple steps. Um, yeah. I remember – and he used to cover the Jets. This happened with Rex Ryan towards the end. And Rex Ryan came out one day and he said, I'm going to spend a lot of time in the offensive meeting rooms. And everyone's like, dear God, right? Great. So yeah. I, I, I was talking to him in his office about this. And he goes, let me draw you a play. And he goes and he tries to draw a play. And he goes, hold on. 
I have to I have to draw it the other because he he had never drawn a play from offensive side, yeah, so he had so to funny. flip the paper upside down. This is what we're doing. You know, I, I'm not saying Nick is like that, but this is sort of the foreign territory he's walking into. You know, um, it, it, it's going to be interesting. Now, one of Connor's best stories. I, I I can do a whole show on Connor's great stories, but you're way too nice. But you'll appreciate this. Is uh, so Steve Belichick, the father. Bill Belichick's father okay. wrote a book, Football Scouting Methods. Okay, uh, it's it's not it's not in print anymore. You have to get it used. Okay, I I read it when I was in college. Um, Connor Flex. read it. Uh, you read that book when you were in college? Yeah, because the the, the <laughs> we got it. The Syracuse um, library was able to get it. I think from. Cornell's library? I don't know, but they had like a, a library trading system, so I was able to get that out in college. Um, but anyways, <laughs> I bring this up because uh, Connor didn't just read the book, okay? This is what Connor did. He then went to a, a game, and he scouted the game okay. using Steve Belichick's methods. An amazing idea, well-executed, terrific story. I bring that up. your lips <laughs> in the stands. <laughs> I, br- I, br- I, br- I bring that up because we're talking about coaches. There were rumors I think well-founded rumors that the Eagles were interested in Bill Belichick had they moved on from Nick Sirianni. Now, as we know, Bill Belichick did not get a job. Um, A, what's your read on why Belichick is not coaching in the NFL next year? And B, are the Eagles a team to look at if this goes south? I think if there's a, I think there has to be mutual interest between Belichick and what he sees as a window, and that team and what they see as a window. And certainly the Eagles are one of those teams. You know, I, he identified Atlanta early on in the process. I think that uh, Las Vegas was also on his radar, but much less so. Um, I think Atlanta was sort of the the one that he identified as the failing asset that I could come in real quick and I could flip this thing around. Philly, if that was on the table is comparable in almost every way to Atlanta in that situation. Plus, they have a much better quarterback, right. you know. And the amount of veterans there, I think he has cachet with that generation of guys, that group of guys. I think it would work. And it's it's the perfect safety ripcord for them to pull for a year or two, so long as Howie and everybody else doesn't mind taking a step back. Because I do think that that's a big part of what Belichick still wants. Now, would he respect them enough to kind of have some sort of mutual relationship there. I don't know, because it, it didn't work out in Atlanta that way. Yeah, I mean, my my sense is that Howie would not want right. that. Uh, I think, you know, you saw that he you know, he wanted Nick to stay. He wanted to, they were calling around to help fill that coaching staff. I don't know that he would want that power dynamic with, with Bill. I also don't know that if things go so badly this year, then they would go to Belichick. I feel like then they'd be wanting to start fresh. This year it felt like it made sense to me more if they were going to move on from Nick because it is a little bit more turnkey. Like the, what the, the case that I've made is that to the Eagles, to some degree, coaches are kind of fungible. The roster is king. And if you're going to just try to get the most out of the roster, you, it's what you've seen them do. They want to get these high floors with Vic Fangio and Kellen Moore. If you brought in Bill Belichick, it, you're squeezing the lemon, like squeezing the juice even more. I don't know Belichick I don't know. well. Uh, I don't know him really at all, honestly. So I, 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 I just said I mean, you I don't have know read Belichick. more about yeah, him but than I don't know, I don't know Belichick. most humans. I, sh- I, sh- I should frame him like that. I, I don't know Bill Belichick. What I've heard about him, uh, and Connor can, can uh, back this up if it's true or false, is that he has a reverence for the NFC East. Like, the Giants organization still means a lot to him. His time with the Giants, it, he holds dear. I think he—I would imagine he has his eyes 
on those three NFC East situations, the Eagles, the Giants, and the Cowboys, because I think each of those are potentially, if it, if it goes south with any of those teams, then I think there'll be a new coach next year. If you were to be able to talk him into pairing him with an up-and-coming offensive coordinator, which I, I think might be difficult. But here's the crazy thing about Belichick. If you talk to some of the... Never heard about Josh McDaniels. <laughs> <laughs> if you talk to, like, the guys that are, you know, coming up on uh, in the coaching ranks, right? The, the whatever you... For le lack of a better term, I hate saying hot young coaches because it sounds... You know, I, I, I don't want to make a comment. Ryan, so he comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, he's a yeah. very attractive young he, man. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. he would be high in my good-looking coach power. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, he's number one with a bullet to me, but yeah. <laughs> but all of these coaches talk to Belichick. They know Belichick. Mm. He communicates with them. He knows them. And so why not just grab, like, you know, someone from the Rams and just go to Atlanta and run this thing? And I, I don't know whether it's loyalty, whether it's an assimilation into a system, but he's still a great—he's still the best defensive coach in the NFL, and I don't think it's close. Mm. I, like, I, it, you know, the other thing when you get talking to these coaches is they still hate playing him more than anybody else. Yeah. And I go back to when Mike McDaniel was lighting it on fire with Miami early on. The coach who messed it up for, for him and for everybody else was Belichick. And everybody started copying what he was doing, muddying to his first read, doing all this crazy stuff. And everybody else started doing that to the Dolphins after that. He was the one who figured it out. He's always the one who figures it out. He would be a great head coach. And it's mind-blowing to me that he's not in the it NFL. It is kind right of now. wild. Now, speaking of, of, of defensive coaches, if we can move on a bit here, is... Uh, we just had Todd Davis sitting in your seat. Uh, all City, all he, he's with DNVR, part of the All City Network, uh, Super Bowl winning linebacker. He played for Vic Fangio, and he gave us this story. He's a big Office fan, and he 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 uh, wanted to ask Vic Fangio uh, about the Office because he knew Vic was from Scranton. So two part question here: One, you're from Scranton. How many people just assume you like the Office because you're from Scranton? And two, the real question here is: Vic Fangio is it going to work in Philly? So. As a sub-answer to the first question, <laughs> I'm sure that what Vic Fangio said was, I'm not from Scranton, I'm from Dunmore. Mm. Is that he what he said? He no, said he just he, said he, it's he, not my sense he, of humor. It's not his sense of humor. <laughs> okay, that, that, so yeah, Dunmore is like, it, it's just a very, it's a continuation of Scranton, but it, to the people there, it would be like a border oh, okay. of like a, like... It's not Jerry McNamara territory. It's not Jerry McNamara okay. territory. It's the next town, it's literally the next town over. <laughs> okay. But, the, for, like, if you But talk, they would be offended at the suggestion. <laughs> very that they, much so. That, like, if you, how dare you suggest I could possibly... Possibly be a Scranton man. If you talk to people from Dunmore and you're like, "Oh, you're from Scranton," that would be like, I, you know, I, I some sort of war-torn country. Hatfield McCoy. Yes. Yeah, okay. So, so quick aside there, the Sirianis, they're they're known as being from Jamestown, New York. Like, if you talk to them, they they say we're actually from West Ellicott, right? Like, you have to make that clear. Like, so, <laughs> it's, so it's, no. it's similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the office was. Uh, a, like an amazing gift for me because going to Syracuse, that was like right at peak office oh, time. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so what, like... That was I, your cultural cachet. I, I didn't have a lot of conversation starters. Mm -hmm. I'm not an interesting guy That's by any stretch of the imagination. Especially at, you know, 18, or, you know, how old did we start college? 18? Yeah, 18. You know, I, I really didn't have much going for me. I, I had, my dad told me this. He goes, listen, what everybody does in college 
is they wear their Letterman's jackets now <laughs> so that you can see other people from other high schools and you can be like, yo, what's up? So the first night, like, that's what kind of disaster I am on campus. <laughs> I'm walking around Syracuse my first night, and it's hot out. It's, uh, it's late August, okay. you know, and I got a high school Letterman's jacket on, <laughs> and everybody's like, what is wrong with this oh, person? No. So thank God for the office because okay. it saved me. If you want to tell us you were a high school Letterman, you can just tell us right away. I got, it, I got it at the very end by accumulating enough backup minutes. It took me till my last season of high school football to accumulate the minutes for that letter. I'm, still very, I'm very proud of it. What position? Uh, center. Oh, good for you. Nice. I've, I've, I've dropped a few LBs back yeah. then, yeah. since then. So is Vic Fangio going to work in Philly? I think so. Because, you know, he has the right player set there, and he's got the right complementary coaching there. Miami was a different situation. Mike McDaniel wanted the Vic Fangio system. I don't know if he had the Vic Fangio players. I mean, the Eagles have... You know, it, depending on how many people they decide to bring back, they have that hardened core, you know, and, you know, especially if they can get some of these guys to come back or whatever they want to do. But I, I do think Sirianni, too, is a good complimentary coach there. He's going to be able to feed off of what Vic is trying to get to those players and I think tailor a message that fits that. And so all of these years later, is there still a bit of a rivalry between the tag team, you and Jenny, against Zach and Mike? There was yeah. never a rivalry. Well, so... <laughs> I, I was like, I, I was an intern and then I graduated to like a clerk. And so you, you, clerk was like a word in the newspaper industry back then that was like, we can pay him a sub-legal wage and just allow him to subsist sure. there. So Zach was hired from the post. So it was much a bigger deal for us to have Zach there. So Zach got a phone. And that's, that, that like, uh. it bothered me to no end <laughs> for years because I had to pay for my cell phone yeah, and Zach had a work phone. And so when I finally got a work phone, I was like, all right, we're, we're like, I'm, and now I've you're made calling, my way. And now you're calling your dad and being like, guess what? I'm, I'm on the same level as Zach Burman. Remember that phone call from 10 years ago. So you know what bothered me about Connor? Um, and this is a compliment to Connor. But if we're doing this, okay? If we want to do it. Uh, yeah, so on this scale. So I just got hired. No, I, 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 it's, I took the job because I wanted to cover the NFL. And I wanted to work with, with Mike Garofalo. And, and, it was, and it was great. But then a few weeks in, um, something happened with our Nets coverage. And, like, the Nets beat writer was no longer there. Okay? And so Connor, they, they, they brought Connor onto the beat. Um, to the net speed at the time. It, it was kind of like a, a temporary role, but all this stuff was going on with them. They had just traded Darren Williams, or, or they were trading. No, they Darren, were going to trade yeah, for Carmelo tra Anthony. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, and and Connor was like at the epicenter of all of this. Meanwhile, I'm writing these like sidebars on <laughs> Matt Dodge, and I'm there thinking like, man, I've worked my butt off. I've gotten to this point. Okay, I'm like, I I would love. This is the biggest story in sports right now, and you have Connor there. And Ike, yeah, like, put, and you put Connor on? Well, no, no, it, it, no, because I wasn't traveling with the Giants at the time. Like I would only do the local. Like so, the Giants. I remember there was a weekend when the Giants were in Seattle. I remember this distinctly. And our editor, who was an amazing guy, he is an amazing guy. Not was he still? He's an amazing guy, Drew. And he had me do the New York Marathon. Okay, and he made you run it. <laughs> no, I had to cover the New York Marathon because I, I didn't go to Seattle. And. Connor was in like the Epis was 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 doing all this great stuff on the Nets, and I'm there writing about a marathon runner, and I'm like, send me to the Nets right now. I would love to contribute to that. So yeah, and, and Connor did an awesome job, and he he does an amazing job still. What you didn't know is that they were planning on canceling the Nets beat. And so that was like, that, they, what they were basically doing was they were they were sending me out on a plank and then they were going to cut the plank. So I took a bullet for you there. Uh, I'm glad it worked out though. That's yeah. very funny. Now, uh, you did ask yesterday when we talked about you coming on, you wanted to give your pitch. 
somebody come out and buy Sports Illustrated, something that uh, close to my heart, but but yeah, this is you. This is your vocation. I Zach was the first person I asked. I know Zach's smart financially. He's he's sound. I yes. thought that he might be able to put a profile together. <laughs> I asked him um, I asked him what he would do if he could uh, have a time machine for one day, <laughs> and his answer was he would, what was it? Uh, he would want to go buy the... Uh, Invest in Google's IPO, which, Google's is not IPO. A, which is not a far-fetched answer. That's a very sensible answer. <laughs> yeah. I feel uh, like Bo wants to go date Domingo Ryan, so... <laughs> no, I would, I'd rather say, I'd rather, like, spend some time with my dead mom. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, on, on that... Uh, I didn't expect it to take that I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> that's my honest answer. That's being playful. I'm sorry. <laughs> Domingo can come to it. Yeah, yeah. I, mean. I think that would be a fun pair. Um, I, I, I will say this. I think that uh, our uh, what, what's the saying? Uh, rumors of our uh, rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. Yes, something yes. like that. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I'm so proud of of everyone who works there. Um, everyone's still kicking kicking butt. Is this a show where you can say uh, yeah. ass? Okay. Yeah. yeah we're kicking yeah, ass. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know Zach. He doesn't work blue, so I didn't want. Zach wanna... is the one who works blue. He drops s bombs all the time. Does he really? Yeah. Oh golly. S bombs. Right. Come on. <laughs> s bombs. What is this? PG thirteen? Like, come on. See. So I'd say stick with us, um, and 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 more good to come. It's it it, it, it will be around. Well, we're ex we're excited about it. You are doing great work, and all the people at Sports Illustrated. So, uh, Connor, thank you so much for for taking time. Thanks, fellas. Absolutely. We really appreciate it. Now, uh, time to give you a, a, one of my favorite interviews from Super. Super Bowl media night last night. Uh, this is going to be a really insightful peek into the Georgia guys on the Eagles roster. We spent some time with Malik Herring, who played in college with Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter and Keely Ringo and DeAndre Swift and Nicobe Dean, all these guys. And he's got these like memories that I think are very insightful into the players they are today. So enjoy Malik Herring from media night last night. I cover the Eagles, so I know you got a lot of Georgia boys on that team. What are like your best stories from those guys? Oh man, I got a lot of um, Keely making him cry all the time as a freshman. Okay. In high school. I mean, not high school, but college. Nolan making him whine. He was a man, Nolan, bro. He just always tried to be right all the time, but like it was just like, hey, bro. When you're on the field, we be tired. We don't got to switch. Right. How the playbook is, we can play both sides. You can run all the way over. Coach, you won't let me go over. Like, bro, <laughs> Nolan, stop being a baby. It's okay. Just go over there. Yeah. Coach, but the playbook say I got to be over here. I'm like, all right, Nolan. But I love Nolan. Okay. Um, JD. Oh, nah. I'm going to tell you more about this This one thing about Swift. Okay. We had these mopeds um, in college. Okay. Everybody was riding the mopeds. Swift, Swift was doing a little donut in the middle of the little courtyard. And it was a little wet. Oh, no. <laughs> so my boy Amir Speed was recording. Swift, Swift was like turning and turning. He turned a little too hard one time and he fell. So that was just a little, that was a funny moment right there. And is it like, at first you're like, is he okay? And then, no, and then he, you're laughing. He, he was okay. good. Okay. He was, no, we just started laughing. It went on hard fall, nothing okay. crazy. Okay. It was just a little slow, pow. It was like, oh. Right. Did nobody expect it, though, because we were riding all night. Um, cool. JD? N'Kobe? N'Kobe? Any fun memory? Any fun memory? We all got memory. Yeah, of course. We got a lot of them. Bro, I just remember, I'm going to tell you one memory. I go to this, because it was Nolan. It was 
Nolan and Trayvon Walker, Nicole, okay. and Trayvon Walker, they were roommates. I was going to Trey room, they, they stayed in the floor above me, so I pulled up to their room their freshman year. We was in here chilling. Nicole had a book, because you know he's an engineer major. Yeah. He had a book studying. And he had a 45 dumbbell right here. <laughs> so like I'm talking, I started talking to him, he read, he started he talking to me and read. Then he started talking to me, reading and doing the curl. I'm like, hold on, Kobe, what you doing? It's bro? too much. Yeah, like relax, bro. You're like, no, I gotta get it in. I said, you're studying. It sounds like somebody I, I know. Said, yeah, you you a dog at heart, bro. Yeah. He, he gonna be different from day one. Um Jordan Davis. Oh, I remember this one time, man, in practice. Jordan Davis freshman year. Um, he was overweight. You know, Jordan was big. It's he happened was, before, yeah. He was overweight. So like they wouldn't they wouldn't let him travel to no games okay. till he get his weight down. But he really wanted to play. And it was this one week he was buzzing his tail. And he was like two pounds. <laughs> he was two pounds <laughs> old. And they still didn't let him they still didn't let him travel. Uh, so the next Monday, they like run the dog piss out of him, bro. And he over there like Crying like dead crying. I was like, JD, y'all, like it's okay, but bro, like you don't gotta cry. Like it's all right, just keep running, bro. And right. Stop eating the crazy stuff. That was his main thing coming in as a freshman, just eating whatever. Like what? Canes. Yeah, well, I'm just saying canes. Hard to pass that up though. Fried chicken yeah. and large fries with sweet tea and yeah. sweet lemonade. He used to okay. tear the canes up and the tacos. Okay. Street about, taco. He was a street taco maniac, Jordan Davis. I mean, that sounds good to me, but yeah. Nah, he put me on taco. Okay. I'll bust him too. Okay. I'll be right with him now. Now, how about Jalen Carter? I mean, I remember Jalen. Well, it was a workout he did. And they were doing one-on-ones. And he went down the whole line, bro. Like, not tired. Been doing the same thing over and over, and everybody, the Indian rep looked the same, face on the ground. I was like, what the hell? But then they were like, I was like, you coming in? Like, like you just nah. ran the gauntlet of like, yeah. I'm yeah. like, you, you finna come in, you a sign in? He was like, nah, I'm a junior. <laughs> <laughs> you a junior? They were like, yeah, you gotta get that boy up out of here, cause you gonna take some spots. Nah, it went like that, but he, he definitely dominated, threw people on their faces, man, and definitely didn't look like no junior in high school. And so is it like, uh, uh, as you go through this process, are, are you hearing from all these guys? You got a big like group chat with all the, the dogs. Hundred percent. We talk almost every day. Okay. Uh, if not every day, we at least talking at least talking twice a week. Okay. At least. And then going back, what were you making Keely cry about? Right. He be complaining, bro. That's all he talk. He be talking like a little girl. Cause like if you get on his nerve, he be like, bro, bro, whatever, bro, whatever, bro, bro. So like whatever you say to him, he just get to him, and he just start, bro, bro, bro. So if you do it to him, he get annoyed and start whining and stuff. He be like, man, y'all just leave me alone. Y'all, y'all just not where I'm from, bro. I'm from Arizona, man. Like, you're not from Arizona. You're from Washington. And he get mad about that too. And so these guys, like, if they watched that, they would say, like, you're, you're doing the best Keely Rango impression they've ever seen. Like, you're oh, nailing it. Oh, my mom. Yeah! <laughs> Keely. Bro, 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 big ass. That Keely right now. That's 100%. Good. Um, all right, I got a couple uh, survey questions I'm asking everybody. Um, if you had a time machine for one day, what would you use it for? <laughs> oh, 
Chiefs and Raiders. about these questions all the time. Really? You should be watching our show, man. This is all we do. I've been wanting to go. I've been wanting to go back in time. Just to see, like, if I would have did this, what would have been like with this. Oh, yeah. But then I want to go back in time uh, in the Coliseum. Oh, like gladiator fights. Yeah, the yeah, gladiator that'd be, fights. Yeah. Like, just see it. Just to be in the crowd, yeah. And just see, like, what was that like. Yeah. And it's like the way they described it. It's, it's just, um, yeah, of course. Crazy. To see that would be, would be amazing. What's the biggest what if, though? You're talking, you're thinking about, like, if I had done this or that. What's the one in your mind that's like, what would have happened? Okay. I told my ACL playing basketball Christmas tournament. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm a hooper at heart. Are you? I was gonna say, is yeah. that your better game? So that's my what if. Like, okay. If I didn't, if I did tell my ACL, that oh. year, I, would I would have game? If I like, what if I would have? I won the game 40 pounds. Okay. And became a DN. Okay. And had to, and had to migrate just to football. Okay. You know? I would have been like 210, 205. What were you, like a slash 3 and D wing? What are we like talking? I'm like a 3. Okay. 3, 4, 5. I can definitely be 1 and 2, though. I can control the rock. Okay. I can facilitate. Okay. I can, I can shoot that thing. I can pad that thing. I appreciate it, man. But I can post it. You wouldn't have been here in the Super Bowl. But you want to know? You want to know what the basketball career you know, would have been? I, I just love. I just used to love basketball growing yeah. up. Like I wanted to be LeBron so bad, bro. Like, Who didn't? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So, uh, last I just two. Had real big hoop dreams. I wanted to be like hot sauce. Love that. I used to watch streetball all the time. Bro. Oh, love that. Yeah. Uh, favorite? Like, who's your childhood celebrity crush? Shanti. Ooh, nice. Shanti. She was beautiful. She was beautiful. She's still beautiful. Yeah. She's still gorgeous. Rihanna, too. Good answers. All right. Hey, Rihanna. Last one. Uh, is it okay to pee sitting down? Is it who? Is it okay to pee sitting down? For the women, yes. <laughs> For the men, no. Not even like middle of the night, you're, you're tired. Nothing. I mean... There's a lot of ways you can go around that. Yeah, that's true. If that would make you comfortable, bro. Okay. I'm with it. No judgment, just not for you. Yeah, just do it. I'm not going to do it. If I can stand up, I can stand up. Okay. I'm not going to. I don't see the need of me going out my way to sit down. Sure. But you're a young athletic man. Your knees aren't barking like us old, like, you know, us old guys. Oh, my knees bark. (laughs) My knees, don't get me wrong. Now, my knees bark. They bark loud. Okay. I just, I just deal with it, though. But oh nobody, I still ain't going to sit down and compete. In that car, you might always get a bottle and just roll to the side. And I, and okay. You, you feel me? Yeah, I feel you. And keep the Germex, too. <laughs> there you go. All right, Malik, thank you so much. I appreciate thank it. You. Good luck on Sunday. Thank you so much. Yeah. Radio Row with another All-City colleague for whom Vic Fangio is right in his wheelhouse sack. But before we do that, let me tell you about my wheelhouse. Wheelhouse ah. is my go-to sports card gift and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley, and it should be yours, too. Their motto is cards and community because love of sports unites us all. They carry all your favorite card brands like Topps Chrome Baseball and Mosaic Football, as well as T-shirts, hats, hoodies from brands like Mitchell Ness, 47 brand junk food starter, and Shy Vintage Sports, which is my favorite one on that list. If you're looking to grade your sports card collection, Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also host tons of different 
family-friendly events and birthday parties every month. You can stop in to either of their stores in Wayne or Westchester. Open seven days a week at 11 a.m. Use code PHLY. It gets you $10 off any purchase of $25 or more in-store. Also, be sure to give them a follow on Instagram like I do, at Wheelhouse Cards. All right. Adam Hogue of CHGO. What's up, guys? How are you? I'm great. I love Super Bowl week. This is the best. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. So much happening. Yeah. Zach's in Vegas, which is his favorite <laughs> thing. Uh, we talked to Todd Davis, who played for Vic Fangio. Okay, yeah. Now we want to talk to somebody who covered mm -hmm. Vic Fangio so we can get the sense of what Zach has to expect in all of these <laughs> uh, weekly press conferences. What are your, what are your like, your, your tips for covering Vic? Oh, I miss Vic. I miss Vic. Vic was the best. Um, he is so, he's, he's dry in a way, but he's so straightforward that, like, most – most coaches say a lot without saying anything, and Vic will mm. say less, but actually, you Drill know. down to the point. Yeah, he'll be, you know, the, you know ex-player. Yeah, he just didn't play well this week. <laughs> you know, he's got to yeah. make that tackle. Just like, yeah, okay, yeah, it doesn't have to be that hard. Like, you can just say it, and, yeah. and then his players, um, you know, sometimes you got to be careful of that with the players, but I think Vic at this point has so much, um, you know, he's built up so much equity in the league, respect. That and and they kind of he's the same way in the meetings from what the players would say about him too is he's just like this is how he is he's just gonna say it how it is he's not he's not gonna BS anybody he's not gonna waste everyone's time with a thousand words when it could just be five um, and. By the way, he's obviously a really good defensive coordinator too right. when it comes to scheming things up. When you go back to that that last defense, which was so good, um, if you were like building that defense from scratch, building the Vic Fangio defense from scratch, what's the first thing that you would want to put in there? Um, I mean, you got to have outstanding edge rushers okay. um, first and foremost. I mean, it in Chicago it didn't really totally click until they traded for Khalil Mack, and then Khalil Mack was you know unbelievable. Um, especially in 2018 when that defense was really clicking. So, I mean, it took a few years there because Vic joined up right away uh, in 2015 uh, with with John Fox, and they kind of had to rebuild that roster. But you could tell right away that, like, they were getting by because of the scheme, because of the coaching okay. for a while without actually having too much talent. And then they eventually, you know, they made some really good draft picks. Eddie Jackson was a great fit in that in that defense um, pretty much right away with ball hawk, you know, being able to ball hawk as a center fielder on the back end. So, um, and then he was, he was great with players like Kyle Fuller, a cornerback who um, really got off to a rocky start, first round talent who it took him a couple years to get going. He had a knee injury at some point. And at first it was kind of rocky with Vic, but then Vic got the most out of him, and then he ended up becoming – he might have even actually ended up as a first-team All-Pro at one point. It might have been in 18. Um, and then, you know, Vic leaves, and, and then right. Kyle Fuller's career kind of fell off the, the map after that. So I think that's a good example of, of a specific player that – Vic Fangio was able to get a lot out of and maximize. And now, interestingly, Sean Desai saw kind of the end of that Vic Fangio defense mm -hmm. in Chicago. Uh, I know the downfall there wasn't all on, on him. There was a lot going on with the Bears at the time. But now you have a situation where Vic takes over for Desai. Yeah. <clears throat> Are you expecting to see uh, from the Eagles, like, is it is – is Fangio basically what Desai was doing on steroids, or did you see comparable? Was what 
Desai did in Chicago that's similar to what Fangio did in Chicago? Yeah, I mean, what's cool about Sean Desai is, so Sean Desai started with the Bears back when Mark Trestman was still the head coach. So we're talking completely different scheme. Right. Um, and obviously, you guys know all about Desai's background and, you know, the crazy stuff with the education and not really even, you know, having that much of a football background. Right. It's a pretty cool story. So he sort of learns as a really just basically an intern getting his foot in the door, completely different scheme. And then Vic comes around and they really hit it off. And, you know, he decides like this is I love everything Vic's doing. I love this defense. I love this scheme. Um, and then he sort of like I feel like he had some bad luck. Like I, one of the one of the mistakes we talk about in Chicago a lot is why the hell didn't they just promote Sean Desai right away when Vic Fangio left instead of going out and getting Chuck Pagano? It's yeah. like they wasted two years there sure. with, with a really good defense when they could have just, like, you know, got a guy that really believed in what Fangio was doing. He could pretty much coach it the same way. It's not like Pagano was terrible, but it just seemed like a waste there. And then finally Desai gets his chance, and then everyone gets fired, and he's got to go. So I feel like Sean Desai, for as hard as he's worked, he's had some really bad luck at the same time um and obviously the situation in philly i'm sure you guys have you know talked about it endlessly bad just, luck just seems like he got a raw yeah. deal um and it's kind of too bad he can't stay on that staff now because i'm sure vic would love to sure. have him um it'd just be so awkward it will it would yeah, it, it would i mean i totally understand it but um yes to answer the original question i mean i i, I do think vic will be an upgrade um, really just more so because of experience, if anything else. Let, let me check in on uh, one sort of like, not a trade, but a roster trade that the two teams made. Yeah. Eagles fans sort of lament the uh, team letting TJ Edwards go. They were not going to sign him for that deal, but they could have extended him a year earlier, which I think would have been prudent. Instead, they get the Bears leftovers of Nicholas Morrow, who was, I mean, I don't want to pick on the guy, but yeah. just a, a real problem in the middle of the defense for them. How, how did TJ Edwards play last year? Yeah, uh, huge upgrade um, over Nicholas Morrow. <laughs> uh, you know, we could tell right away. Um, what's what's crazy is I think he actually outperformed Tremaine Edmonds. Wow. And Edmonds got the big money. Right. Um, now, TJ Edwards has some limitations. I mean, I'm sure you guys have talked about that even when he was in Philly, but he, he they're able to kind of maybe hide some of the coverage limitations within the scheme. Um, it helps having Tremaine Edmonds there because he's such a big body in the middle of the field. Um, and they have some good, you know, other good players in that secondary around him. So they, I think it's, it's, it's been a good fit for TJ Edwards because they can kind of scheme to his strengths and maybe hide his weaknesses. And, 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 Honestly, he was he was probably the best of those linebackers this year on a on a pretty damn good Bears defense. So, um, especially when you consider the they're getting more value out of T.J. Edwards sure. than they are Tremaine Edmonds just based on the contract. Because I understand Philly's situation last year. You guys had to make some tough decisions, um, just given your salary cap situation. And I feel like the Bears just. It was a perfect situation. He comes back home because he's from the area. Uh, grew up a Bears fan and. You know, it, it was a great landing spot for him. And it really, from the Bears' standpoint, with all the cap space they had, it was not that expensive of a deal. Right. So, I mean, it was it's great value. I want to be respectful of, of Adam's yeah. time because he has a, a show over on uh, CHGO. Uh, real quick here, what's uh, what's what's the read on the Bears? Are, are they going to be an, a, a threat in the NFC, or is this quarterback roulette going to continue? So, 
I think the comp for the Bears right now, or at least like sort of the goal, the track they're trying to follow is the Lions. Mm. So they're, they've kind of been a, Build it slow. They, they've been a up. year behind the Lions. This will be year three of the current regime, which is where the Lions were this year. The Lions had a similar seat. So 2022 for the Lions was similar to what the Bears just experienced in 2023, where Rocky started. I think the Lions started one and six that season, and then they finished really strong. Now the Bears finish wasn't quite as linear as the Lions in 2022, and they failed. The Bears failed to do what the Lions did in Week 18 of that season, which was knock Aaron Rodgers yeah. and the Packers out of the playoffs. The Bears had the same exact opportunity uh, with Jordan Love and the Packers this year, and they couldn't get it done, and that's a big hurdle they got to get over. But still, you could sort of still see the the building blocks start to come together. So I don't know if they'll be able to get all the way to the NFC Championship game. I think that that would be very ambitious to expect that. But I do think in Chicago, they believe if they can get this huge, enormous quarterback decision correct, that they should be a playoff team next year. Well, we will let you go, but mm -hmm. uh, I know that people can watch the CHGO show if they want to know the answer to this. Mm -hmm. But very quickly, what is your prediction on what they do at quarterback? I think they're going to end up drafting Caleb Williams. Okay. I, I think it's just too obvious of a situation. You've got three years of Justin Fields. And what, what I've always said, at least in Chicago, is going into this season, I mean, sometimes we got to remind ourselves of this, L like our conversation over the summer was the most important, whatever happens in 2023, the most important thing is they have to have the answer on Justin Fields. And if that answer is not clear, then that is your answer. Yeah. Like it, That's well said. It, yeah. it just has to be. And so here we are, the season's over, and every single day we're talking about, well, Justin feels this and this excuse, and a lot of the excuses are valid. He's been in a bad situation. Um, the coaching hasn't been you know, exceptional on that side of the ball by any means. They're now redoing the staff. He's got to learn a whole new offense again now, third time, and going into year four, it's not good. But come on, guys, we've been around this league long enough. When you're going through this process over and over again with these quarterbacks, I think you kind of have your answer. Now, maybe in other situations, it would be more obvious to stick with Justin Fields. But the Bears have been given this gift yes. of the number one overall pick with Kayla Williams staring them in the face. And I understand that you can get a big haul if you stick with Justin and you trade the pick. But I just, you, you already passed on C.J. Stroud. Can you do that again? If we're talking a year from now, you still don't have your answer on Justin, and now C.J. Stroud's out there winning an MVP or something like that, and Caleb Williams is the yeah. rookie of the year. How do you you can't you can't have that happen? And you also just think manager. of it from like a GM survival standpoint. Yeah. Like if you if you stick with Fields and Caleb Williams is a superstar, you're fired. Yeah. If you go to Caleb Williams, like you still get time. Yeah, you're, you're not only resetting the quarterback clock, you're you're kind of resetting your GM clock yes. a little bit too. Yes. Uh, you're buying yourself some time. All right. Well, thank you so much for the insight. I All right, appreciate guys. it. Enjoy appreciate the show it. later. Appreciate it. Always love talking. Uh, now we to you. talked about T.J. Edwards. We spent a little bit of time last night with a different former Eagles great, and that of course is James Winchester. We got former Eagles great James Winchester here. First of all, <laughs> congratulations. Thank you. What are, your, uh, what are your big memories from your time with the Eagles? Um, well, you know, that was my first opportunity to sign with an NFL team. So um, while I was only there for about two and a half, three weeks, just enough time for a cup of coffee and get to, get to know some guys, uh, that was a special uh, time of my life and memory that, you know, got to be a part of an NFL team. And I uh, got to play in a couple preseason games and Got to be around the great John Dornboss and get to learn a couple things from him. And, and the magic uh, tricks? Dave Phipp. Uh, I didn't learn how to do any of the magic tricks, but I got to watch him uh, perform a little bit. Absolutely blew my mind. So uh, that was neat. You know, Donnie Jones, uh, pretty cool deal to uh, get to snap to him in a couple games. And, yeah, I mean, it uh, it was uh, a stair step to help me get in the league. And, you know, never knew that I would uh, end up in Kansas City with the Chiefs. But 
Um, you know, at that point in your life, all you can hope for is an opportunity, and they gave me an opportunity. Who are some of the other guys you remember from those two and a half to three weeks? Oh, man, well, Lane Johnson's a good buddy of mine. Uh, went to college at Oklahoma with him. So, obviously, Lane. Uh, we actually had Sam Ancho was actually playing at the time. No, Emanuel Emanuel Ancho. Ancho. Yeah, it was yeah. Emmanuel uh, was playing there. Um, Jordan Free Poyer. Oprah. Yeah. Jordan Poyer was actually in Philadelphia yeah. at the time. Um, I'm sure there's others. Obviously, I looked up to the specialists, so Donnie Jones and John Dorenboss uh, were two guys that really stuck out to me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was a great time to be there, and it was a great opportunity for me. And what's your best Lane story from college? Lane story? I have too many to tell about Big Lane. Um, I'll keep the majority of them to myself, but Big Lane is the man. He's uh, Obviously, he's proven that and to be a perennial pro bowler, and um, what an incredible talent and incredible human being he is. And uh, super proud from him, uh, proud of him from afar. And uh, I'd love to be playing with Big Lane, but I I'm so proud of him. And, uh, you know, he continues to prove his value to the team and that he is the greatest to do it at his position. So uh, super proud of Big Lane, and, and uh, yeah, I was grateful for my time in Philadelphia. All right, got a couple, like, survey questions here that I'm asking okay. everybody. Yeah. Uh, if you had a time machine, but you could only use it for one day, what would you use it for? One day. Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I'd probably go back to um, when, when my parents were my age. You know, why not? Yeah. See what your parents were up to, what they were like at that age. And, you know, we uh, we don't have that opportunity to go see our parents when they were, you know, 15, 20 years old. So I'd probably do that. Probably go see my mom and dad. I like that one. Uh, next one, celebrity. Like, who was your first celebrity crush? Ooh, celebrity crush. Um, that's a good one. I don't know. None are really coming to mind. Um, I, know, I know I have some, but... Can't think of one. Okay. Uh, who is your least favorite Philadelphia Eagle? Least favorite. I wasn't long. En I wasn't there long <laughs> enough to really have any least favorites. Uh, I was just grateful to be a part of them. All right. Last one. Um, do you ever pee sitting down? I think everybody does. Yeah. I mean, Thank it's just you. Part of it, you know. I mean, Thank I'm, not, you. I'm not ashamed. Yeah. This is a long-running argument with my partner well, and I. I got kids, you know. So sometimes you just got to take a break and just get away from the kids. Exactly. You, know? you need a there break. You yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Typical father answer. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. Back on the PHLY Eagles podcast, presented by Factor Meal Kits. Head to factormeals.com slash eagles50 and use code eagles50 to get 50% off. Zach, are you working on your Portuguese? I would like to learn my Portuguese if I'm in Brazil this, this uh, fall. I want to be able to converse with the locals, right? And so, yeah, I, I need to spend some time learning Portuguese this summer. Okay, well... Um, Let's talk about it. We talked a little bit about it on uh, sort of a, a quick hit newser that went on the uh, the YouTube page yesterday, yep. but we haven't talked about it on the show. The news coming down from Roger Goodell's press conference, which uh, you were not invited to, as we talked about. Rubbing it in. Yeah. Um, what do you make of well, Let's talk Roger first. <laughs> okay. I mean, how... How garbanzo beans is that? Yeah, I, I disagree with it. For for those who are not familiar with this, uh, Roger Goodell has an annual press conference at the Super Bowl. It's typically open to all credential media members. It's Famously later. got huffy because his league employee, Jim Trotter, asked some difficult questions. It, it's typically later in the week. This time it was Monday, like hours before media night, which, which takes up most of the headlines anyways, right? So it's kind of buried as it is, number one. And then it was invitation only. We're going to take nasty... Take questions from the nasty news media. So, uh, yeah, I, I disagree with, you know, I, I think that... It's ridiculous. In the scheme of 
of things. I don't know if, if fans care so much about, like, who's asking questions and who's not. That's what he's banking on. But I think, yeah, exactly. But I, I, I do think so that. So let's keep it in the ether. If you're commissioner of the league. You should be. You should be able to take questions. It's not like he's like. <laughs> exactly. It's not like he's got a weekly news conference. Like this is the one time all year he gets, yeah. got asked, gets asked some difficult questions. Give me a break. Yeah, it's to me. It's part of the gig, right? And if there's something you don't want to talk about, then like then go cry in your billion dollar house. Well, no, it's just it's just part of the gig. It comes it, it comes with the territory. If you want to be commissioner of the NFL, I think you should be able to answer questions about the league. Both the questions you want to answer and the questions you don't want to answer. Yeah, and I think it's it's almost like a form of censorship, for lack of a better term. So at the same time, are you disappointed that you didn't make the list? <laughs> I disappointed that I, didn't, I mean I'm not disappointed. This is going to make you anti Goodell now. Oh, I'm not pro or anti Goodell. I'm a reporter. I'm just in the you know. I'm, but I'll say like uh, in my current capacity, <laughs> in my current capacity, the Goodell press conference isn't as valuable to my cover. It would be kind of funny if he, if he did <laughs> give you the invite on this bad boy. <laughs> if, what would you have asked him? Yeah, like, uh, imagine Do you pee sitting saying, down, Roger? <laughs> like you're paying a big Fangio, right? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, that's that's my point, is, is that there are a lot of people who, who cover the Liga at large or there are times when their team is, is in the uh, spotlight. I, I was once actually in a... Uh, I, I, I don't like to make this like sharing stories, but I was in a small conference room with Goodell um, and I asked a question about uh, Deshaun Jackson. Uh, this was in the 2014, 2014 mm. offseason when the Eagles cut Goodell. And there was a conference up in New York, uh, like the Associated Press sports editors and, and like reporters could, could go. And, uh, and I was there on behalf of the Philadelphia Inquirer. I have to ask a, I have to ask a, a relevant question. So I asked something about like the league's involvement in the Deshaun Cut, like if they checked, mm. because th there had been a report that the league, that the team checked with the league or cleared this by the league, because there was all types of NFLPA there stuff. And <laughs> I do recall that was a little messier. Like the after the fact, I was on the, I was taking calls. Like I had to get some clarifications about what that answer was. So in any event, uh, I do recall that. Okay, but, um, but so the, no, I, I, did break. yeah. So, so yes, the Eagles are in Brazil next year to open the season, uh, September sixth, Friday night, and it's a big deal for the Eagles. Now, I, I just want to clear one thing up at the top because when this news came out, one sentiment that I heard is, "Oh, this is the league screwing the Eagles, taking away a home game." No, not at all. And the reason I'm telling you that is because uh, when the when the schedule expanded in 2021, the 17 games. One of the rules was that every eight years, a team must give up a home game to play internationally. The Eagles had not done that. They had not given up a home game yet. And part of that, I believe, is their agreement with the city is that they have to have eight regular season games in Lincoln Financial Field. So now that there's nine games, they're able to play internationally uh, or, or they're able to host internationally, and they're going to have to do this once every eight years. So they're going to have to do this again by, what, 2032 at this point, right? And they'll be on the road. At, they'll be a, a road team internationally some point before that, I imagine, because the league's going to, I believe, 10 international scheduled games uh, in the 2025 season. So anyways, this is a big deal for the Eagles because this is the, the people who might get screwed potentially are the fans if they get charged for a home game in their season ticket package deals, you know? You would imagine that, that would they would only be charged for eight plus the ex, for plus yeah. the preseason game, but 
who knows how that, that works out. I would be out. surprised if, if they charge you for an extra I game. would not be surprised if people okay. are trying to make extra money. <laughs> okay. So uh, this is the first game in South America. The Eagles uh, are picked to host it. Uh, I think that's that's a big deal. Now, I, I had thought initially, I'm like, week one's a good time to have this because you have two weeks off before uh, the game, right? Your last preseason game is Thursday, two weeks before. Right, you're and not, not going to, like, uh, coming off of a short week or anything exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah. And then it's a Friday game, so you get back Saturday, and you have time before that next game. So I actually, I, I was like, I like week one. And then I'm thinking about this logistically, and I'm curious your thoughts here. They're not going to have the, the the roster cut down to 53. Yeah, I think about like the travel logistics. <laughs> yeah. like it's going to be v- v- such a huge headache for the organization. Because I just saw actually, you know, when I, I looked this up yesterday, you need to get a travel visa to go to Brazil. Bra- going to Brazil is not like going. It's not even like going to London, right? Uh, it's it's more than having a passport. You need to apply for a visa and all that. So they, I'm not sure who. You know, I'm not sure how they're going to figure that out with who's going to be on their roster. Right, because they have to do it ahead of time. They're exactly. going to be like 90 guys on the roster, yeah. It, exactly. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious about that. Now, as far as opponents. Well, I'm also curious about, like, first game in South America. Presumably the league is going to want them there to do some promotion and stuff like that. So, like, how early are they going to have to get there? Yeah, you know, and I was texting like, with some people be, about this yesterday. Are they going to be practicing there for a couple days? So the way it was framed to me, it, it, I, I heard that, and they, they did not do that for the London game. They, they went out after the Thursday practice in 2018. Uh, they got to London, and there you have jet lag. It's a shorter flight, London, but the, the time difference is, is much more significant, right? But they, they went after Thursday's practice, and then they practiced in – it wasn't quite in London. It was outside London. Uh, on Friday, Saturday was an off day. They played Sunday. I would think for a Friday game, if they used that travel schedule, then they would practice in Philly on Monday and Tuesday. They would go to Brazil after practice on Tuesday. You practice in Brazil on Wednesday, you're off Thursday, practice Friday, you play the game Friday. Now, as far, it is true, sometimes they do like to have promotional stuff before the game. There's ways around that without the current players. You. You have, mm-hmm. like, Eagles alumni. You have Brent Selleck going out there. Uh, that'll, get them, that'll get the people pumped. <laughs> but, but that's typically – you got nobody, Joey. Nobody revs up a crowd quite like Brent Selleck. <laughs> I just point that out because I remember Brent Selleck in London okay. uh, for that. Um, so Actually, he does a very good job when, he's, when he has his, his stuff on. He's got, you know, very vociferous mm-hmm. first down point. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't uh-huh. know that he's going to bring the juice to the, to the people of Sao, pa- Sao Paulo Antonio. <laughs> it's, yeah, so, so, yeah, the game's in Sao Paulo we should say, uh, the Corinthians Arena, yep. which was the host of the in the first World Cup game in 2014. And then it was also a venue in the Olympics You're going to bring your well. My Vuvu, I, no, I don't know how to play. Actually, I, yeah, that's I, actually I, not from I do recall. I do recall that World Cup. I was watching yeah. it uh, quite a bit. Um, the great thing about that World Cup is there was no time difference. So it was, it was during, mm. you know, your hours. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious when they go out. I don't think unless the league wants them out early, they would totally disrupt their schedule. Although for a week one game, perhaps, you know, you do have a little flexibility to get out there earlier. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, now, as far as the opponent, this is what, what we know. We know it won't be – we obviously know the nine home teams. We don't have to read them off here. But – we know it won't be Jacksonville or Carolina because Jacksonville and Carolina already have international games. Presumably, right. the league won't send them the two international games. Uh, we're assuming it's not going to be the NFC East. Okay, so that would we know the NFC East teams. So then that would leave 
Pittsburgh, Green Bay, uh, Cleveland, Atlanta. I would guess, if I had to guess, I would think it's going to be Atlanta. And really? The, why? Uh, for a few reasons. First off, I would imagine that the Eagles would want to protect the Pittsburgh and the Green Bay game. Okay. Uh, Atlanta is one of nine U.S. cities that have a, has a nonstop flight to Sao Paulo. Um, it's the closest geographically of all those places. So um, then it's like a home game for them. Why do, why do they get the advantage? No, it's, it's, it's not a matter of advantage, but there is... Now it's not I mean, they're not flying commercial. No, it's it's not a huge Brazilian population in Atlanta, but but it is one of like it's in the top ten in Brazilian populations in the United States. Okay. Um, you maybe, done some research here. Yeah, maybe I, I I could see potentially Green Bay. I, I would think the Eagles would want to protect that Green Bay game. Uh, I could be wrong. I could see it being Cleveland or Atlanta, but I'm 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 going to go with Atlanta. Okay. If it's Cleveland, I hope that I hope we, you know we get we get Michael Dunn on the beach. Yeah, let's, I mean, get a little, let's get a little swimsuit calendar with Michael Dunn in Brazil. I'm frankly hoping Michael Dunn gets a starting job somewhere. So maybe well, it's not. So in, too, yeah, 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 maybe it's not in Cleveland. Maybe it's somewhere else. Maybe Tennessee. Yeah. Iron Callahan. Great. That'd be great. Maybe uh, maybe Philadelphia. <laughs> now we're talking. At right guard. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Over Steen. Yeah. Okay. He's a better player. Or. There you go. I like that. Look at that. Signed Michael Dunn. Uh, what the, so, so your thoughts on the game in Brazil? I mean, I think it's a, and it's, a, it's an exciting thing. I hope I hope we get to go. Who do you think the opponent? Yeah, I, I hope we get to go too. Yeah, um, that'd be great. What would you? Now you're going to Brazil this summer. As I you am. Said. The 10th anniversary trip. That's awesome. Doing a little Brazil and Argentina. What made you pick Sao Paulo and Argentina? Well, we're not going to Sao Paulo. We're going to Rio. Oh, you're going to Rio de Janeiro. Okay. Uh, but uh, we have, we've never been to South America before. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Buenos Aires? Correct. Okay. Nice. Nice. So what made you settle on that? You, you said you never well, been. Well, I wouldn't say we settled. Oh, no, I, I, I don't mean settle. I, I mean I said we've never been to South America before. We wanted to go somewhere we But there's a been. handful of players. What? Mont, uh, Montepichu? Is that right? Monk no. Uh, I believe you're, you're conflating Montevideo and Machu Picchu. Okay. <laughs> Machu Picchu. <laughs> Sorry, you. <laughs> Machu Picchu. So you could go there. Okay. We could, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm asking, what made you pick Brazil? You, you, I mean, you could play along with this a little bit more. I don't know. Right? Like a like it's, a, like it's a city, day. like a beach. Like I, I don't know. That's just where we landed. That's that's awesome. I'm just trying to get a little We're more very excited. Here. Yeah. That's great. Okay. So you can go to Brazil twice within a few within I a could. few weeks. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Oh. All right. Anything else? So, yes, the Eagles officially announced Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator yesterday. Took some time for that to become official. What do you feel about, how do you feel about the new um, uh, graphic treatment that they've done with Vic Fangio and Kellen Moore where it's like offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, <laughs> offensive coordinator. I don't, have strong, I, I don't have strong thoughts on that. I don't like the uh, – <laughs> This is like a, a journalist problem. It's, it's, it's not even a problem. It's like a journalist peccadillo. Yeah. Um, they started doing this in, in recent years, which instead of, like, uh, tweeting out the team statement, yeah. they put they it. link to it? Yeah, well, they just put it in the graphic, so you can't, uh, you can't, oh, you copy, can't copy and paste it. You can't, oh, can't copy that and paste. Tough. Yeah, so you see yeah, you got to type it Yeah, tough life, yeah. That's not really a tough life. Um, 
there's a report out, I believe, from Dan Graziano at ESPN that the Eagles are bringing in Christian Parker uh, from the Broncos coaching staff. I believe he's a South Jersey native. It was broken on Twitter by his Jersey older native. brother. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Nice. Okay, good. Jersey native. Um, and he was on Vic Fangio's staff, and it's, it's a role with the defensive backs. We'll see what it is. I also uh, want to give a little mea culpa uh, okay. for... Um, there were two listeners who, who brought this up. We were talking about the Eagles cornerback situation yesterday, and we uh, did yes. not mention Isaiah Rogers. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's a worthwhile discussion. I do think Isaiah Rogers is going to be part of this mix. Uh, he needs to be formally reinstated by the NFL. But that's I. What, that's what you could ask Roger about. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, but I, I think as Bo and I really get into this roster in these next few weeks, the next few months, we will have extended Isaiah Rogers conversations. All right, we got to wrap this bad boy up because there's somebody else coming up uh, from All City here. So let's close this bad boy out. The PHLY Eagles podcast presented by Factor Meal Kits. Head to factormeals.com/slash Eagles50 and use code Eagles50 to get 50% off. Thank you to Adam Hogue. Thank you to Todd Davis. Thank you to Connor Orr for spending time with us on Radio Row. We are back tomorrow, 9 a.m. Vegas time, 12 noon Eastern time with some more fun from Las Vegas. We appreciate it. And remember, if you are in Vegas, you can come hang with us tomorrow night at Circa at the Overhang Bar from 6 to 8. Two free drinks if you are SVP. So come and, come and join us and hang out. Thanks to thanks everybody for watching and listening to the show today. We will talk to you tomorrow. And as always, we love you. We all silly like the mayor. 